Hey, what's going on, everyone? Kyle here, the You Know I Got Soul and Soul and Stereo podcast, back with another episode. This is episode 49. Man, we got, well, it's crazy. How are we already at 49, guys? It's crazy. We've been at this a while, but I don't know, because we keep getting new listeners every week and we're getting so much positive feedback, it still feels kind of new. You know what I noticed? We're 49 episodes in, and I don't think any of us has ever cursed on this podcast. Is that true? Now, we've had some guests who have cursed, but we try to keep it. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) The family... We it's keep it uh, for the fa- for the family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, but we have so much to talk about this week. Ed, you caused a lot of controversy with a with a list that you published on your website earlier in the week, mm-hmm. and we'll get into that. But I want to quickly start off by talking about some of the new releases that came out this past week. Starting Ed with Avery Sunshine. You like that album, yes. don't you? I really like that album. I um, am a fan of Avery as it is. And speaking of lists, when I did our list a couple weeks ago of the top female vocalists, we had a couple people say, where was Avery? And I listened to this album. I was like, yeah, she did deserve an honorable mention. She is a fantastic vocalist. Very, very well-written songs. And if you haven't heard her album, definitely check it out. I think that it's probably right now sits at Probably one of the best two or three albums in R&B this year. So I think this one's going to make a big mark throughout 2017. And props to her for dropping a banger. Nice. And two other albums that came out. I know um, Avery Sunshine was the one that caught your attention the most. But Eric Roberson and PJ Morton. Yep. Both of those dropped as well. Man, I was listening to everything while on the road. I went to my first trip to Memphis. So I had some good listening music. And has some decent stuff. PJ's album, very good. I think he's a very underrated vocalist as well. And not only were his songs well written, like we've talked about before, I love the song Claustrophobic because it's almost like a almost a diss song to the industry and artists like PJ who are really trying to do some different things and take his music in a different direction. And the industry wants to put him in this box. So there were lots of themes like that throughout the album. And it ended up being a really solid release. A little little sleepy in some places for me, but still really good. And then Eric Robinson's album. This is actually an EP. He's doing a series, Earth, Wind, and Fire. So this is the first series from that Earth. And as a standalone EP, I was chatting a little bit of my man Tom about this. And it's the reason why I have a hard time reviewing EPs. I have a lot of fans that are like, why didn't you review, for instance, the Talib Kweli Styles P EP that was just released? Why don't you review those? Why don't you score them? Because it's hard to score an EP with the same weight as an album. So the Earth EP only has six or seven tracks. And they're okay. You know, it's Arrow, so Arrow's always going to give you some solid work. But as a standalone piece, it was just all right. Now, when we combine this with the other two EPs that are on the way, I'm sure as a full package, it'll be great. But just as a standalone set of five or six songs, it was all right. But nothing that really got me excited. So Arrow fans definitely should share, check that out. When we get those later EPs and we can put them together in one full collection, I think we'll have something. But for now, it's just a solid release, but nothing spectacular. Cool. Tom, we've got a couple of uh, upcoming tours 
uh, some that you might be interested in. Of course, Kevin Ross is going on tour to support <laughs> his album, The Awakening. And Tom, I know this one's really going to excite you. Tweet's going on tour. It's an acoustic tour. You love acoustic concerts, don't you? I'm going to show up with no shoes on, barefoot, sit Indian style in the crowd, and it'll be a good old time. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> right, Ed? Listen, it's four minutes in, and I'm already... I'm saving my <laughs> venom for later. I'm not going to get into it with you right now, Thomas. So hold on. I love me some acousticness. <laughs> I just like to groove. I, I'm, I'm the opposite. You don't, you so. don't do the, oh, the barefoot... <laughs> Oh, man. Um, Ed, I'm going to get you riled up a little bit, but I promise you it'll get a lot worse later. But our cousin Chris Brown, or your cousin Chris Brown, set to release his album he announced in June. I'm not sure if there's an official uh, date yet, but on his Instagram, he says it's coming in June, um, his album, as well as a documentary, which he said will be in theaters, which will showcase the ups and the downs and the lifestyle of Chris Brown. Ed, I'm sure you're really interested to find out what your cousin's been up to. Listen, player, <laughs> he's talking about this album. I'm waiting for, while we're talking about waiting on this album and documentary, can you at least give us a halfway decent single first? Because I'm still waiting. I've heard three or four songs that have been less than okay. So before you start thinking that you are going to be Tarantino all up on this screen, you better tighten up these albums. What are we doing? Everybody cannot be thriller everybody cannot be the docs that we keep in biopics that we keep seeing on bt and lifetime and these other places play your state in your lane and focus on your music first then go to hollywood because you gotta tighten this album up it's been a long time since i gave a chris brown album more than three stars so you got some work to do player Well, guys, I've got some interesting news for you guys. Tom, you're going to be really excited about this one. I'm reading his Wikipedia. Oh, boy. Chris Brown actually owns 14 Burger King restaurants. Wow. Of all things to invest in. Um, Still hasn't invested in a halfway decent album, though, but he got them waffles on deck. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. Um, So the album will be called Heartbreak on a Full Moon. Ed, I got a question for you about Chris Brown. And his music. Yes. Realistically, and I'm not trying to hate because I, I am a fan of Chris Brown. Do people still care about his music or is it only, you know, Team Breezy, which I know is a huge group of people. But are they the only ones that still care about his music? In my neck of the woods, it seems like Chris Breezy is the only person keeping the SS Chris Brown afloat. Because everyone else has long ditched shit on this guy. And again, before y'all hit up the Twitter, E.T. Bowser, y'all know where to send the hate tweets. Like, just look back at the product. This isn't me being fussy, but this is me wanting more of our artists. And other than the gimmicks and the silliness and the backflips and the ooh, he can dance, I'm not hearing any quality music. Where is the quality? Where is the output? Where is something other than here's this guy fighting on Instagram with Soldier Boy? I am not seeing any of that. He's getting support because his fan base is so huge, as you said. But it's like people are hyped for an album and hyped for a documentary about something. But the material isn't there. The songs aren't there. I would like my singers to actually sing. I know that is a foreign concept in 2017, but dude, where your music? Yeah. 
So much venom so early <laughs> in the podcast. I'm riled up. Also, lastly, I thought I thought documentaries well, for were for artists that were like, I guess not in the spotlight anymore. Chris Brown is still in the spotlight. Like I thought documentaries for were for people that you know weren't in the mainstream anymore. Yeah, they are supposed to. Be. Well, the way I look at it, um, here's the way I look at it. It's because I don't think he's able to do much press anymore because every interview he does, they don't really go well because of his past. So he's got to present himself how he wants to because he thinks the press will skew it. So he's got to tell his own story. Right. Unfortunately, I mean, this is just a, the way it is. I think this is the this telling of his story in the way he wants to tell. It. Which is by the journalist that I am knows how biased that's going to be. Number one, but number two, if you right. want to tell your story, that's fine. If you want to tell your story through music, that's fine. We'll talk about that later on in the podcast. But if you're going to do it, do it in a way that's creative and receptive and trendsetting. Don't just do what people have been doing for 15 years. I'm going to come out with a movie because I saw Tony Braxton do it. Please. <laughs> Damn. Uh, Tom, I know you wanted to get into something as well, right? Yeah, I had a couple things that uh, caught my attention this week. And uh, one of your all-time favorite artists, Usher, uh, dyed his hair. That's, that was breaking <laughs> oh, news. Oh, my goodness. Oh, and speaking of... <laughs> this has been like Ed Hate Week. Because I tweeted a photo of young Usher... Actually, old Usher. I'm the old head of the podcast, by the way. Usher is older than me. So I tweeted this photo that was less than kind to the haircut. And boy, Usher stands were in their feelings. Look, player. He has the haircut of the kids that are in my youth group, which is cool. Except those kids are 14. Usher is knocking on 40's door. (laughs) So please... Do something with the caramel-colored haircut. It's not working. It just goes to show. Because a lot of people were like, oh, well, you're just not letting him be who he is. You can't judge him for what he wants to do. Clearly not. But if we look back at the history, if we go look back at that Hard to Love album that we bring up every week, and that No Limit single, and we see (laughs) him dancing in the club with these kids... And I saw another Instagram post where he was like with a bunch of teenagers showing off their watches. I'm like, player, you are old enough to be their daddy. (laughs) Be a role model. Get you a nice cut with some nice waves. Keep it clean. Keep it low. And you're cool. Just speak to your audience. I don't think your audience is 16 anymore. Somebody remind you, boy. (laughs) Wow. Well... Uh, how old is Usher? He's almost 40, he's right? probably like 39. Or either no. he's turning well. 39 this year. Like, he's like a couple years older than me, so he's up there. Okay. We'll give him one more year to get it together. I'm going to keep... <laughs> no, okay. You know, R. Kelly did have the blonde cornrows when he was like 40, so there you go. There's your role model. Oh, yeah. Aura. <laughs> I gotta keep the good times rolling for Ed just uh, for a minute now. Uh, we get some interesting uh, YouTube comments uh, in response to these videos or to, to our podcast and other stuff we put up, interviews and stuff. Ed, man, they love you, especially the Mary J stands. <laughs> I don't, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but someone said something like. You need to take the black guy off the podcast, or the black guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I was like, first of all, how do they even know he's black? I mean, do they know what color I we are? I guess they I do. Know. 
Would this they know? was previous to this was before we even got the new banner and the new logo. So good for them for doing their exactly, research. Yeah, I think somebody cyber stalked. <laughs> well, I, That's, sorry. Yeah. Well, Ed, you you are a celebrity uh, though. It comes with. You are verified on I'm Twitter. I'm verified, so. but it's a gift and a curse, like Jay Z told us. The blue check is a gift and a curse <laughs> because now I got um, Donald Trump running around on our YouTube page calling out the black people. So. Mary J stands. I'm gonna be nice to y'all in in just a few days when Mary J drops her new album. Then I'm sure we'll be positive. So y'all hang on and be nice, unless the album's trash, and then you'll be mad at me. So that's pretty much all I had for uh, this week's uh, festivities. Did we want to get into our main topic, Kyle, or where are we going next? Yeah, we next? can go into our main topic. Well, we've got a kind of two main topics today. The main topic is, I believe, we're going to discuss Ed's list of the top uh, male vocalists. But first, uh, a quick other interesting topic I wanted to get into because I thought it was timely, and that is, damn, R&B needs a Kendrick Lamar. Amen. And what the hell do I mean by that? <laughs> what what, what do we, we mean, mean by that? What Some does people that even are confused mean? when I put that. <laughs> well, let me let me give you some of the backstory on this. So... Can I uh, go back to a certain date in history? August 7th, 2012. Do you guys remember that date? Mm, what happened that date? No idea. I remember it well. Miguel released Adorn. Ah. And I thought it was a, a turning how point sp- for How are you R&D? supposed to expect a us to know moment. that date of all dates? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Come on. Hold on. Wait, let, let the man tell his story. The song Jeez. was... That's... <laughs> I got to add dramatic effects yeah, here, guys. I'm Calm impressed. down. So the song obviously was a huge. It turned into a huge uh, hit for R and B. I thought he was Miguel was to become a huge star. People were going to follow in his footsteps. Unfortunately, it just didn't turn out that way. And I thought he was the one that could have really made the impact. And I think we've talked about it between us before, but you know. We talk about see someone like Kendrick Lamar who's kind of shifted the genre on his own and shifted the culture and kind of gone in a different direction than everyone else and had success. We don't have someone like that in R&B. And it felt like Miguel could have been the one. But guys, who, who what, what is the, like, can there be an R&B Kendrick Lamar? Someone who can make their own movement and people would actually pay attention? Oh, well, let's back up a little bit because, you know, I have plenty of thoughts on this and kind of like just hash it out. Um, as everyone knows who follows Soul and Stereo, I'm a huge Kendrick Lamar fan. I followed him even way back when he was releasing like the mixtapes, the overly dedicated and that early stuff. And not to dwell too much on the hip-hop end, the issue with Kendrick is we look at him in his 2017 lens where he can release albums that are just fantastic, that shift the genre and shift the culture. And we look at R&B and R&B is long overdue for a shift change. And we were like, why can't we get someone to do that? Well, first you have to realize that Kendrick's shift came well over time. So it's not like he dropped this most recent album out of the blue. So he had three or four albums building up to this where he got to the point where he could kind of call his own shots and say, I'm going to have a track where the beat changes 17 times over the course of a minute and a half. And he can get away with it. Whereas new R&B singer just coming out of the box won't be, let, won't be given that sort of 
kind of leeway. That's why I like what Bruno Mars did recently with his album, because the album that he released, that soul throwback R&B, he could only do that at this level in his career. He couldn't do it in his debut because there's no way on earth he could have got that to fly. But anyway, I digress. The point is, what R&B really needs is a person like a Miguel who can start in the game and say, I am going to change this. And from album to album to album to album to album, continue to build upon that momentum. So when he does get to album four or five, and it's like, boom, I'm really going to change the culture. I'm going to do what I've been wanting to do this whole time. And I'm going to take all these fans, this fan base that I have generated on the way, I'm going to take them on this ride with me. That's what R&B is missing. Somebody who started from the bottom, took this this huge fan base on this journey, and now is shifting the entire culture with those fans with them. Miguel could have been the person, and I think he was really like on that track. I just felt like, even though I'm a fan of his most recent album, I know a lot of people were not, I think that shift was a little too drastic and he lost some folks. And he lost the sales. R&B is going to be such a tough sell. And we're going to talk about this a little later in the podcast. Because not only are we fighting against an industry that doesn't want change. We're fighting against fans that don't want change. I feel like R&B fans are more Mm. resistant to change than hip hop fans. Because they want their R&B to sound a certain way. And if it doesn't sound like that at that moment, they out. And that's going to be something really tough for this R&B savior to kind of change the landscape. Ed, it's funny, um, and, and Tom as well, like even before Adorn, and my chronological thing might be off right now, but I remember the person that I thought that was going to shift R&B was Usher when he put out Climax. That was the record that I was like, okay, this is, this is a little EDM-y, but it's still soulful, and this is where R&B should go because he was still singing on it but after i saw the impact that it had on you know mainstream which it did all right but i was like this should have been a hit and once it wasn't a hit i was like that's usher's impact isn't there anymore so you know we had a lot of expectations for hard to love because he is usher but as we got deeper into the project i think we all started to realize usher's star power isn't what it used to be so I agree with you, Ed. It is going to have to take someone new to do it. Um, I thought Miguel was going to be that person, but man, we're, we're lost now. <laughs> yeah, and that's a... You think it all ended for him with the, with the Hogan leg drop? Was that the end of uh, his chances? <laughs> I, I don't... <laughs> I forgot about the Hogan leg drop. Those memes were tremendous. Um, I don't know if that is the end for him. Like, I, he's still doing quality stuff, and I don't think that... Well, no, I'm exaggerating. Yeah, but I, I get what you're I'm saying. I'm exaggerating. But I don't know if it's like, if he can still be that guy. I think that I would put him up there as someone who could still do it because he still has a pretty solid fan base, I would think. But to Tom, I mean, to Kyle's point Wait. about Climax, that is the perfect example of what I'm talking about. He's an artist that tried something new, and I loved it. I thought a lot of other people loved it. Apparently did not. It didn't shift as well as we thought. And without the fan support and the industry support, it kind of just dropped off. And now we at no limit. And hair the color of Worthless Originals. And see what he have become. Well, to be honest, Usher, Usher yeah, had a mohawk that... during the Climax era as well. So 
No, I mean, I have no problem with the mohawk. It's the brown, <laughs> weird thing that's... Anyway, can we talk about something other than his horrible hair? It's like an anime character. Hold You know, Kyle might not remember this, but him and I both had an R&B savior in, in the early 2010s who we thought was going to change the game. Kyle, do you know who I'm talking about? No, I don't remember. Was it Chris Brown? Luke James. Oh, Luke yes. James. And that is who I picked to be our savior. And again, we'll talk about Luke in a minute. But yes, he was definitely my guy. And I think he's been derailed so, by, I don't know, Tom can probably speak to this better than me, but like, good Lord, he was on the trajectory and he just lost momentum. I don't know what happened. It's like around the time he went on tour well, with Beyonce and then the album came out, it just all sputtered immediately. And then he vanished until like January. Oh, I, in my opinion, he just never had the right songs, and Kyle knows about this too, but he just never had that one undeniable song. He kind of went in different directions. He kind of went dark and moody, and it just didn't yeah. work like that hope. But I really I felt like him, along with some other young R&B talent coming out in that time, 2012, 2013, like, like someone like a Daily and someone like, I'm thinking like El mm, Varner around that time, real. and that was like, the last time I thought we had a calm down, Ed. <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish. I, I thought Tom just I say Brid- that was a pivotal time. Just tell, uh, hmm? just just mention Bridget Kelly to Ed, and he'll calm down a little bit. Yes, I love Bridget. Bridget Kelly, <laughs> artists like that. We we had a shot, and unfortunately none of them hit. And then then R&B just went in a whole different direction in the years to come, as we know. So I thought it was all a pivotal time around 2000. Like I said, August seventh. 2012. Remember that date forever. I think might be on to something. And this is a little side com- combo. <laughs> we, was, we didn't haven't even talked about this off camera. Um, what happened to Leela LaBelle? I thought she was going to be the new hotness. And she came and went. Oh. I think she gave up on music, to be honest. Like she just vanished. Actually, same with, uh, same yeah. with Brandon Hines, who was signed to Epic um, as well. Yeah. Yeah, Leah, Brandon, what is Y'all hit us up. 2012 had it popping, and then everybody <laughs> just went home. So, let's... I know we have a lot to cover. Let's get into our main topic. Now, Ed, your list of the top vocalists. You know, it's a good segue from Luke James, who I believe should make an appearance. So, let's see who you right. got. Um, before we get into the list, though, um, I want to circle back a little bit and talk about some of the points I hit on on the last topic. Now, you know, we, we always give our fans, like, we always give them a little bit of grief and have fun because everybody loves to pick on old man Ed. And one thing that I love about these lists are the debates and conversations that we have with some of our fans and readers across Soul and Stereo and You Know I Got Soul. But one thing that had to annoy me over the past couple of days is that there is kind of like, I don't know what it is about some fans that aren't willing to open their mind to newer experiences. So before I get into that, I do want to thank a whole lot of fans who came through. And we had some really cool conversations on Facebook and Twitter. So if you aren't following your boy, go to E.T. Bowser on Twitter. Follow me so we can chat about this stuff. But I just want to shout out to Derek Duns and the Mike Versus, CC Superwife. Our boy John Michael came through. Iman Martin, Charles Williams, and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody else. So like they used to say in those liner notes in the 90s, charge it to my head and not my heart. But 
we had some really good combos about this list and the previous list. Oh, shout out to um, Kelly Price and Charlie Wilson who shared both lists and um, Galant. Wow. So awesome. that was cool. But what kind of bothered me about a lot of the feedback on this list as a, compared to the female list is there were a lot of listeners who were like, I don't know who Galan is. This list sucks. I don't know who Luke James is, but he can't be better than so-and-so. Listen, players. We have set up, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know the three of us to kind of be, I mean, let's be honest, three of the most knowledgeable minds in R&B online today. We've heard it all. We know it all. So if we suggest somebody you haven't heard of, instead of hating, Go listen to the artists because that's the only way you can learn more about these artists. The thing that bothers me about kind of the quote unquote death of R&B is that there are a whole lot of R&B fans that are like, there isn't like it used to be. But we don't support new artists who are out here super talented doing the thing. So when I made my big list before I narrowed it down to 10, I had names like, Galan and Luke James and even Kevin Ross and guys like that on it who didn't quite make the top 10 but were great and a lot of these artists haven't gotten the exposure as some of the guys from the 90s but they're definitely worth your time so instead of hating let's keep R&B alive by checking out these artists our girl super wife saw the list and was like you know I only know a little bit about Luke James I have no idea who this Galant dude is but since you say they're hot let me go check them out an hour and a half later, she was like, all right, I'm a fan. Thanks for telling me. I had no idea. These dudes are awesome. So if you aren't familiar with someone, don't just diss them and say, oh, why didn't you pick somebody from 1992? Because if you have heard them in 2017, you will know it ain't 1992 no more. But again, let's support R&B by supporting these newer artists. And if you like them, cool. If you don't like them, cool. Because you know if I don't like somebody, I'm telling you. But it's worth your time to listen to these artists, check them out, and maybe you'll be a fan. Don't just sit in your basement listening to stuff from 96 all the time. And that's from me, who listens to stuff from 96 all the time. Ed, you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Come from MJB <laughs> Superfan number 457. Well, Ed, before you get into your list, can I just read just one kidding. comment that really stood out to us? Yeah. It's time to unfollow y'all. Rapidly losing credibility from me. Now, I dig these brothers, but Tank, Gallant, Luke James made top 10, while Kenny Lattimore and R. Kelly get an honorable mention. For the record, though, this is Ed's list, so I don't feel like it's fair to associate our whole site with Ed's list. So, I want no part in this. (laughs) But, um... (laughs) Anyway... Uh, Ed, go, let's go through your list and start off. Let's talk about the honorable mentions because there's one on there that really upset everyone, and that is Brian McKnight. Yup, and I will stand by that. And it's funny, I was talking to a couple fans who were like, there are a lot of people that were arguing about Brian McKnight that haven't heard Brian McKnight's last couple albums. And I was like, yup, guess you got me. So our honorable mentions, um, Stokely Williams, Johnny Gill, Kenny Lattimore, R. Kelly, Brian McKnight. The honorable mentions, basically, if I were to do a top 15 instead of a top 10, these would have been like the top 15. These were the guys who just just missed the cut. 
And of that group, yeah, Brian McKnight was the one that a lot of people were harping on. But, and again, if you made this list, I think you're an awesome vocalist. I love Brian McKnight. But this Brian McKnight, of, you have to remember the rules. And let's go back and revisit those. We wanted artists who were considered active, which means they had to release a project in the past three years, which unfortunately, Kyle, cut out your boy Mario, because he probably would have made it at some point. Thank you, thank you. And we're also we're also talking about artists ranked on their current ability. I'm not talking about One Last Cry, Brian McKnight. I'm talking about Let Me Show You How That Thing Worked, Brian McKnight. And again, he is still one of the greatest to do it, but in 2017... I would not put him in top 10. Top 15, yes. Top 10, no. So no shade to Brian McKnight. But I think some people are listening to Anytime and not listening to the better album. I'll leave it at that so I don't make Tom upset. (laughs) Me? Why me? I thought you liked Brian. Now, there is, well, I do like Brian, but there's one artist, I didn't read the list, but if this artist isn't on there, then I'm going to go off okay. on you. So I'll just leave it Join at that. Join the club. <laughs> anyway, we, let's get into it real briefly. Number 10, my man Anthony Hamilton. There was a lot of eye rolling at that, but listen, there is more to being a vocalist to me than hitting pitch perfect notes. It's about emotion, it's about grit, and it's about soul. And when it comes to soul, Anthony Hamilton got it on lock. So he was my number 10. Number 9 was Tyrese. Originally I had Tyrese a little bit earlier. And this shows the amount of input. I mean the amount of the um, research I went into the list. Because with, while I was writing the list. I was going through re-listening to some of the songs. From some of the other artists. And while I love Tyrese and we celebrate him. And we don't celebrate his Twitter and Instagram. Lord no. But we celebrate his actual output musically Tyrese is great but he has a very very strong voice and I think he gets a lot of props for that sometimes I kind of question the his range a bit so that's why he's a little further back than a lot of people expected really more than I expected but he still definitely is on the list Ed, Ed yes. can I say one thing mm-hmm. Ed you better hope this list doesn't doesn't make it into Tyrese's hands. Oh, I hope it. He'll start acting like this is a travesty of the century. <laughs> I hope he does, but he needs to calm down because some of his friends are on the list. So, no shame, Tyrese. Okay. Jeez. Number eight is my man Eric Benet. Our boy John Michael, who is an artist that we both love, he's got a mixtape coming out soon. Check him out. He had a great story to share about this. We got to get him on the podcast one day. But he said he was performing. With Eric Benet, I guess it was before Eric Benet was about to perform. This dude was walking. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Eric Benet. He was talking about Eric Benet and how great his vocals were. But the story was actually about Stokely. He said he met Stokely, and Stokely was walking around with no surgical mask on and refused to talk to anybody. So this dude is like Cobra Commander, and it's like I'm not talking to you until I get out of here. That's how much he wanted to preserve his voice. But anyway, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. I thought it was a cool story. Damn, what if, anyway, he, was wearing a, Benet, what if he was wearing a mask like Kane from wrestling? Oh, only <laughs> if he raises his arm and the fire comes off the stage. Well, I'd be cool with that. But Eric Benet, I'm sure, will not. He'll be acoustic with no shoes on like Tom likes. But no shoes, but the vocals <laughs> is pristine. Eric Benet is one of the most underrated vocalists, really, in all of R&B, if you ask me. He is phenomenal. 
Number seven is your boy Tank, who I originally had on, wow. I think I had him at the Tyrese position. I had him closer to like 10. But as I was listening to this stuff, I was like, this dude is incredible. I mean, we know he's incredible, but you kind of take for granted his range. You take for granted his ability to control his voice. So that's why I bumped him up a few spots, but definitely worth it. Number six was like the only dude on the list that nobody fussed about. And seeing that I got like 30 tweets about this thing, that's saying something. And that's Maxwell. I think that his voice is just like heaven on earth. No one complained about that. I think we all are in agreement there. Number five is Joe. I was surprised that a lot of people were like, why is Joe on this list? And I'm like, really? I thought we were all in agreement that Joe is pretty much one of the best to do it. His voice is just so pure. And of all the artists on this list, I think he has like, his voice has not really aged. It's pretty much as strong as it was way back in 92. So number five for him. Number four is your man Usher. And I we like to pick on him, but oh, again, boy. I cannot hate he is he gets this ranking kinda like why Beyonce was rated so high in the female list, and that's just his versatility because he can do gospel, he can do pop, he can do R and B, he can do hip hop, and the ballads, he can just do it all and maintain the pristineness. He's not at peak anymore, but he's still pretty good. Somebody would just write him some halfway decent songs, we'd be straight. Number three, our man Charlie Wilson, the ageless man, the vampire, the dude that's sipping on a fountain of youth and a Nestle water bottle. I don't know what this man is doing, but he does not age. His vocals are fantastic. There were some people grousing about him because he's, I don't know, I guess he's like, the guy at church who sings all the time and you're just used to him singing and you forget how good he is because he's just always around. Listen, Charlie Wilson is phenomenal. Number two is Galo. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> what? Stop. I'm going to lose it. Sorry. <laughs> Number two, of course, is what everybody got riled up about Galat. And again, if you don't know this guy, that is a personal problem. Get your life right. His, he had one of the better albums of 2016. It might have been in my top 10. Phenomenal, phenomenal vocalist. Still kind of new to the game as far as mainstream exposure. But that doesn't mean that he isn't worth your time. So check him out. And then, of course, number one, we discussed Luke James. He is the one that I thought was going to change the game. He was the one I thought that was going to help bring us into that new direction. And that hasn't happened yet. Maybe with the onset of the BET, his performance on BET, doing the Johnny Gill thing. I think we'll kind of help him do that. And there were a lot of people that were like, well, he sounds good because he was just singing Johnny Gill. No, player. Go back and listen to that Whispers in Dark mixtape. Go back and listen to those earlier songs. And I know that his first album wasn't well received, but it was still well sung. I think right now he has the most diverse, best voice in R&B right now. That's my top ten. What y'all fussing about? All right. Okay. Can can we do like last week now, and uh, we'll throw out some names, and you know, th- these are names that didn't necessarily have something out recently, but we still want to see where they yeah, fit let's in, like, and then we'll go from there. Um, broaden the the scope a little bit, and instead of making it three years, let's like make it 
what did we do last week? Like ten years or ten, 10 years. years, something yeah. like that. So are we talking? Yeah, let's open it up. So then, are we'll, we talking we'll current s- state of their voice or hmm? prime time? Kyle. Um, I think we should do prime for this if we're making it a large group. Yeah, yeah. Prime. So we'll start with one of Kyle's all-time heroes, Mario. Yes. You mentioned him, Kyle. Where do you have him on this list? Uh, number one. Oh God. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> really? No, he's not number one. Um, Is he in the top twenty? Like, where would he fall? I mean, I have a, a couple of names in mind. If we're talking prime time, so I don't know about all twenty, but if he had, re- I would just say if he had released an album in the last three years, and we were doing Ed's list, he would definitely be in that list. I that's agree. all I have to say. Okay. Yeah. No, I think. Fair I enough. think if he was, I mean, I think he was just out by like a year or so. But like, if he had done something more recent, he would definitely be top ten. And even if we widen this, he would probably, he would definitely be top fifteen and probably still top ten. I think he's got a fantastic voice. Now, here's one I didn't hear you mention. Uh, this guy, a little too churchy for me. I think you love him mm-hmm. though, Ed. Dave. Yes, Hollister. Dave. I should have. Um, I think next time I'll do one of these lists, I'll actually post on instagram my final list like my final list of like 25 names before i narrow it to the top 10 just so people can see but yeah he definitely was on it and i expected him to be top 10 and he didn't make it but he's great easily top 20 top 15 it gets a little tight just because of the competition but i love him and even if we open it up a little bit i think that when we kind of do prime i think he still lasts in the 15s what about your? Where do you guys have? Oh, go ahead, Kyle. What about your two VA boys, Chris Brown and Trigger? I Tom, I mean Kyle. This is a top ten slash top fifteen slash top twenty, not slash top forty five. Damn. Yikes. Actually, actually, Trigger isn't too bad when he isn't Billy Goatin' in it and so much. Oh, Billy he's Goat. fine. <laughs> Chris's voice is mighty lightweight. He's fine on kind of the dancey, fine Chinese type stuff, but we ain't talking about any power or anything behind that voice. So, no homie. I got a good one for you guys, Robin Thicke. <sighs> I love Robin Thicke's music. <laughs> what? No, no, I'm serious. I, there were a lot of Robin Thicke people that were mad too and i love his music but i thought i didn't think anyone considered him like a fantastic vocalist like he's good at what he does and he makes good music but as far as a vocalist with range and with versatility and with power mm, unless he got some albums i ain't heard and i've heard all 30 of them Kyle, what do you think? Um, if this was a top, what do you if think, this Kyle? was a top ten falsetto list, Robin Thicke would definitely make the cut. Oh, but because oh. there's more to <laughs> singing than falsettos, I think we can't put him on the top ten, unfortunately. No, oh, I mean he's nowhere. We love Robin Thicke, 10. though. I think we're the only people left who like Robin Thicke. Is no, that true? Well, I thought so until I got the tweets. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah, I think the Thicke family Jeez. was um, active on Twitter a couple weeks ago because they were riding for their boy. All right, guys. All right. I have 
two names, and we, we're talking all time. I think they just put out an album like four years ago. Okay. So we're going to talk about them in the prime. I'm going to say KC is the best male vocalist. Yep. I was, I was about to say him, actually. My brother-in-law, so, who I forgot to shout out, we, he was actually kind of in this long thread, too, um, on the Soul and Stereo Facebook group talking about this stuff. And he mentioned, and probably the other artists you're going to mention, Kyle, he talked about Casey and he talked about Cisco. He was saying in their primes, they are extremely high, and I definitely agree. But it ain't prime time for either one of them bros. Well, I was gonna. Hey, that, I was. We talked. Well, Tom, I was gonna say the other artist I was gonna say was actually JoJo, the oh. other brother, <laughs> and his voice these days is shot. It's gone, and he's pretty much a background singer. But I mean, we know Casey is undoubtedly one of the best. Where do we have JoJo? He had that smooth tenor voice. Mm. Hmm. The problem with and that the thing that I think people forget is when you open it up to the 90s, the competition is insane at this point. And I don't know if I see him top 20, even though I love him. I don't know if I see him top 20. KC, no question. He's top 10. But I don't know if I see him top 20. Probably like a little bit outside of top 20. Fantastic, though. No question. Here, I got an interest. I agree about Cisco. I think you might even throw Jazz from Drew Hill oh, also yes. in the mix, whoever you think is the better of I the agree. two. I agree, definitely. But here's an interesting name for you guys, John Legend. No. <laughs> I'm just curious where you'd have him in the where, – where would you have him fall? I mean, I'm, since he gets so much – he's so successful, but where do you think his voice ranks? I'm curious. Um, someone asked mentioned him, and I wish I could – this doesn't work over a podcast, and there was a specific gift that I sent of this dude laughing out of his chair. About John Legend. Um, and again, no beef to John, but when we're talking about voices, this level of talent among voices, he's another one of those guys, kind of like, he's kind of like a Carl Thomas to me. And oh, I know y'all can get hot about this, but he's an artist that no. can <laughs> sing, but he's to me really limited in what he can do. Like his range is really kind of limited. And you can tell it a little bit when he started going for them high notes. And you're like, oh, 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 bring it back in, player. So he's good, but he isn't great as far as what he can do with his voice. He knows his lane. He stays in his lane, and he, like, rocks that lane well. But when he starts trying to get a little too big for his britches, then the cracks start to show. So, mm-mm, he hmm. wouldn't be too high for me. I do. I got just a couple more because we got to right, move yeah, on. Go ahead, Tom. Uh, you want to go? Yeah, I got. I had one. Ed, I'm, I'm mad. I had one. Let me. Uh, let me you go. Go, go ahead. I just saw it on YouTube. Lachelle said it. Ed, what about the short, bald, black guy from Silk? <laughs> <laughs> Is that his name? What? We call him Little G Player. Short, bald guy from Silk. Oh my gosh, he's not a milk dud in a suit player. He's got a name. I love Lil G. A Lil G is kind of like JoJo to me, where he's great, but I can't really see him being that high on the list. But personal, if we're doing personal, it'd be like Key Sweat, Key Sweat, Key Sweat, Key Sweat, Key Sweat, Lil G. Wow. All right. And then right, Jazz, bro. Uh, you, for- you forgot to mention this name, Ed, Glenn Lewis. <sighs> no, Tom forgot to mention that name. That's what that was. 
Oh, come on. <laughs> you probably didn't even know he put an album out in the past 15 years. Oh, please. He just put an album out with, um, with my man Jazzy Jeff, didn't he? Uh, you must be on Wikipedia. <laughs> nice save. I must be the, the guru of soul and stereo is what I must be. Anyway, no, I love I love uh, Glenn Lewis. Not as fanatically as Tom does, obviously, but he's great. Again, he's kind of like when I start looking for like range and stuff, uh, he kind of gets na- knocked out a little bit. He's kind of in that daily position for me, where he can definitely sing like very very well. But as far as what he can do, I don't know. I haven't really seen him kind of step out of the normal lane for him. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with rocking your lane and doing it well. But when we kind of get matched up against these guys like a tank who is like Swiss Army knife of vocal abilities, it's hard to put them up there. So he might be 30s for me. But, again, that's no shame. No shame. Ed, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't show some respect, I'm going to make you step out of your lane. What? <laughs> Just kidding. I'm Man, we about to throw, this is a family throwing show. hands on the podcast. We're gonna need some sound effects, Kyle. You call this like Jr. Um, <laughs> WrestleMania, this oh, thing, man. player. Yep. <laughs> so, are we moving on to the Hall of Fame? Well, can I go one more? Yep. Yeah. Just, just because I know a lot of readers love this guy, Craig David. Craig David's a good one. Um. Again, I wouldn't. He's not top fifteen to me, but I think he's very strong, and he does have a really passionate fan base. I'm surprised the Craig David fans didn't come from my throat. He might be top twenty. Huh, yeah, I think you're right. I think he would. If I made this list a top twenty list, I wouldn't be opposed to putting him on the top twenty. And I'm talking about like the current today list because he sounds still pretty good. Shout out to Craig David. I'm actually he's still doing it. I'm- I'm actually surprised by how big his fan base is. Yeah, I am too. Because he, when you yeah. bring him up, people always fill me in seven days. I mean, this, that was almost 20 years ago now. Good Lord, we're old. But his fan base is still pretty rabid. There's some others. I'm, uh, we don't have time to discuss, but I'm surprised. BJ Chicago Kid, Calvin Richardson, um, let me see, Jaheem. Those were a few... Even Kim. Um, Jaheim and Kim. And Raphael Sadiq. Jaheim and Kim were on the um, like on the possible list. I, I knocked Sadiq out pretty early, and I can't remember why. I'm kind of just running through this yeah. really fast right now. Um, who else did you say? Um, oh, BJ, Chicago kid. Uh, I like him a lot, but I don't think that he can stand up to the top ten. Same thing for Calvin Richardson. Good, but I don't know if Fair I enough. say great. Fellas, I'm really go off and definitely. Well, I was gonna say I'm really proud of you guys. Tom, you didn't mention Music Soul Child, and Ed, you didn't mention Keith Sweat. So, see, and I, I was just about to say (laughs) that because listen, when it comes to this stuff, as a reviewer, all I have is my credibility, so I could easily drop ten of my favorite artists up here, but I'm not gonna be goofy enough to put Keith on a list of top ten vocalists. So, again, if you disagree. Go check them out. Check out these artists you haven't heard before you throw bars at those and say they can't sing and you've never even heard them. And then check them out for yourself and then honestly give an assessment of those who you like and don't like. That's what I do. And if I can make a list without Keith Sweat, y'all can make a list without Brian McKnight. Calm down. 
<laughs> are we on to the Hall of Fame, Kyle? We sure are. So last week, just to give you guys a recap, we had Little Mo as well as Tony Braxton nominated. Tony Braxton made the cut. Little Mo unfortunately did not, which I think wasn't really a surprise to anybody. Uh, but we still love Little Mo. A lot of great features, some great songs as well. Oh my but we're on to bigger... We're on to bigger and better things this week. Uh, I'm going to start off with the fan nomination. Guys, this one will really excite you guys. Um, it's a no-brainer in my opinion, but I could be wrong. The fan wanted us to nominate SWV. Are they in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, SWV is a no-brainer for me. One of the most successful female R&B groups of the 90s, and they're still successful today. And they've influenced so many after them. And, you know, it's not much bad. You can say they've had tons of hits. You know, their album, they've had great albums, and for me, it's a yes, easy. And add to that, even when they came back for their kind of reunions and comebacks, even those albums were amazing. So, like Tom said, this is one of the easiest nominations we've ever done. One of the most influential groups, not of the 90s, but of all time. One of the best groups of all time. FWV got this in a lot. It's funny, though, um, because realistically, before they came back, they had only put out three albums. The first two albums, I think, are great. Their third album was a little shaky, in my opinion. Do you think that kind of well, takes away? I mean, of, of course they have their impact. Yeah. I don't know. The quality of that third album, I'm, ugh, I don't know. Well, see, and I have written about that album before. That's actually one of my Guilty Pleasure albums, and I really like that album. And I know they weren't a fan of that album. They hated it because the label made them do all these rap features. And it took them out of their lane a little bit. But I love that it was heavily hip-hop sounding, yet they still sounded SWV-ish. So I can understand why they didn't like it, and I can understand why many fans didn't. But I really liked that album. Their second album, I thought, was a little too ballad-heavy, honestly. I prefer the third one. But... Again, you can't really find a bad SWV album, and they have been so influential to later groups like Destiny's Child and so many others. They have to be in an R&B Hall of Fame. It's a good point, though, Kyle. It's kind of like the point I was making about Tony Braxton last week, just to play devil's advocate. And I did see some, some a couple of people agreed with the points yeah, I was making on, on in our comments. So, yeah, it's an interesting point to make actually if you think about it so yeah but, but I, I, guess I, I guess we're still putting them I guess in Ed's uh, point is, is true as well they did come back and have a successful or a moderately successful comeback with their uh, i missed us album so yeah i think i, think, I mean no brainer it wasn't of course 1993 1994 again but how could it be but for the level that they achieved at that level in their careers i think you can call it a success And of course, ready for mine, guys. Yep. You were so proud of me earlier, Kyle. Sorry to have to let you down, but I'm nominating Music Soul Child. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> Can I state Stacey my case? Though? Case player. So on the surface, it might look like a no. So here's what I'm going to go with: two platinum albums, two gold albums, probably, and I. And you could research this, but I think he said more hit songs in, than anyone in his generation of a male singer. Then 
I mean, obviously, maybe not Chris Brown or someone like that, but I wouldn't even put him in the same no, category. Yeah, I wouldn't put him in the category. But this man has had... But in his category, I think you might be right. So, 12 Grammy nominations. He hasn't won one yet, unfortunately. Still at it now. I mean, his single, I Do, was Grammy nominated and I think reached the top of the chart on radio. Uh, I, think, I just feel like his place in history, he's, he's influenced so many. People reference him as an influence today. He kind of, I feel like, picked up that torch from D'Angelo with the Neo Soul vibe and kind of took it to another area. I felt like the music was more relatable, personally, and it kind of spread from there. Neo Soul took on that whole Philly vibe from there. So, for me, I, I mean, I, I'm not saying he's a definite, but I'd like to just make the case. So, what do you guys think? Cal, you want to go or you want me to go? No, you, you know go I first. can go. You go. <laughs> music soul child. Listen, music is a great artist. And Tom actually hit the point that I was going to say. Of the, his generation of that kind of... I almost hate to put it in a neo-soul box. But that neo-soul slash post-neo-soul generation from like 02 to about, I don't know, like 07, 08. That kind of decade area. I think of all the male artists, he was the most consistent as far as quality and as far as sales. And he's had a very good career. My issue is he hasn't had a great career. Like, he hasn't had that one five-star album. Not that you need to have a five-star album to be in the Hall of Fame. But he hasn't had that one, one, one great piece. He's had a lot of good stuff. His debut was really good. He's had a lot of good stuff. A lot of good singles, a lot of good chart success, but I don't know if he's had, and I don't want to judge this by numbers, but I'm just making my point, is that Tom talked about how he hadn't had the Grammy win, and I don't think he's had like a number one single. Like, he's always been very good, but he hasn't, like, got over that hump yet for me. So, while I will say that he's had a good career, I don't think he's hit that greatness to be in the Hall of Fame. It's not a Hall of Fame career. It's just a good career. So he gets a no for me. My only problem with that is then, if you're not going to put someone like him in, who might be the most successful of his generation, then nobody who came out in the 2000s and beyond will ever get in. Mm, that's my only that's counterpoint. That's a stretch player. Well, then name one person who you think. I, I mean... You admitted he had more hits than any other I mean, I'm just, of his contemporaries. I'm just going so. off the top of my head. I'm not saying that he definitely had more hits. I'm saying that he had a string of very solid albums. Because for me, just as a reviewer, I remember the albums more than actual songs. So he's had a very strong run of solid albums. And he's had definitely some commercial success. But he hasn't had like the one song that's like, okay, that is his definite claim to fame. He hasn't had that one album that's like, oh, man, that album was so game-changing. He's just had a lot of good stuff. And that's nothing wrong with being good. But I don't think you can just have a good career and be Hall of Fame bound. And there are others who have had maybe some not as steady success that may have had that one great album that, that might qualify. I mean, I can't name off the top of my head really anybody posts like... 10 years that we might want to induct, but that's getting ahead of myself. But again, no shade of music. I just don't know if he's had that greatness. 
Nope, I'm 100% with you, Ed. Um, actually, the name that came to mind to me was Neo, who we actually did induct into the Hall yes. of Fame. I think, I think there is a difference here, and you nailed it right on the point. Like, the only song that I would say that is a definite, you know, definite is, is Love by Music. He's had a lot of good songs, a lot of songs that we enjoy, but is there that one classic hit that we'll always go back to day to day i I don't know um but his consistency is something to be talked about but i don't know if i would put him in the hall of fame it's a it's a close one he's had a lot of good songs and he's been consistent like i'm just looking at his track record right now it seemed like every year he had something that he put out and it did well so it's a tough one yeah but the only reason we put Neo in was because of his writing. I mean, we mentioned yeah, that. but that's so, the scope. Like, if we're going for, like, total scope, not only did he have that, he had the influential stuff when it comes to the pen, and for better or worse, he did cross over very well. I mean, we are not really a big fan of that, but that's something that I might kind of keep in mind, too. But at the end of the day, I think Neo has just had a little bit more of a diverse career than music. And again, before the music people come for him, no hate. I love him, but he hasn't reached that level of greatness. He just got really close. So you're going to tell me you're taking Neo's solo catalog over music's? Yep. I am. Wow. Like, I would put Neo's first album above... No, that... No. There's no way. There's no way. What album is better than that? What music album is better? The first, his first album? To me, their, their debut albums are they're both their best albums. If we're putting side by side to me. And Neo's just slightly edged yeah. up. I disagree. Well, that's a matter of taste, but still. You can't say that Neo has influenced anyone, though. Oh, I disagree with that. I think he has. I think they both have. Yeah. I don't think Neo's influenced anyone that's out right now. I don't know if music is influenced. Who is music influenced this out right now? So go back to our interviews. You can when I ask artists, that name comes up. I'm not just making that up. Kalani was one of the most recent ones. She even sampled his his stuff. I'm just saying, man. But I I'll, I take your guys' point. It's okay. I, you know I. I feel like when you look at the Hall of Fame, you need you have to also look at the longevity. So maybe in another ten years, we look back and say, "Yeah, he's in." You know, it's just the way it should be, in my no, opinion. And that's a great point, and I've had that point. Not to get back on the Kendrick thing, but like there was a lot of discussions earlier this week about when is it okay to call someone the greatest of all time, and when is it okay to do this and that. And I think that what a lot of current fans miss, and why they get upset when we say that artists from the 90s are so great is because in 2017 we can look back on the influence they've had but newer artists haven't had a chance to make their mark yet and that's why it's harder for them to do it now in five ten years when there's a turnover and there's a new generation of artists that are like yeah i'm doing this because of music and i'm doing this because of neo then we can truly say that they were influential it's a little harder to say that when we're in the moment and we're still kind of in the moment for both of them so that's a good point. Yeah. But what is that one Neo song we're going to look back on and say that was his song, though? 
I mean, people still, I'm not a fan of it, but people are still on so sick and a lot of that stuff from the first album. Because of you as well. And I think Sexy Love, those three. Because of you. I haven't even heard that song in about five years. It's not like that song still gets played, though. Well, I mean, to be... I'm talking about songs you still, you could be out and you'll still hear well, it, you know, like on the radio, a throwback. Well, I mean, right now we're in that trend. I've started noticing on the radio, they're playing a lot of early 2000s stuff. So it kind of takes some time for people to, you know, go back to, to those hits. But no, I think those three people still play to this day. I mean, I still it's, hear so sick, but I don't know. It's, and that kind of tough with Neo because Neo's most of his stuff is like the, the Pitbull song. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's like the Pitbull stuff is like what you hear more of like these days. It's just. But that's because of the climate, and the climate is so pop-heavy. But so Not to mention, and, I mean, Neil still... I don't hear because of you that much, but I mean, that thing was pretty all over the place. 07, 08. Ugh. I got sick of it. I mean, the other thing you gotta remember, <laughs> though Neil isn't, you know, necessarily a huge star anymore, like, he's still featured on songs with Pitbull, so he's still a viable, he's still a visible artist, so you're less inclined to hear some of his past hits because he's still on the radio for some of the newer stuff. Yeah, but, ugh, Pitbull. Can we just get rid of this dude? (laughs) Like, he has been rapping. I think Neo really... He's been saying the same verse since 2000. Like, he's saying the same thing. Listen to him. It's the same thing. I think Neil really hurt his case for the Hall of Fame by going that EDM route and also by his past few albums just not being what we expected. That's my, you know, thought on that. You know what's really interesting, though? But I'm starving, guys. Let's get into the food. Um, I've got something actually in mind. I I wanted your opinions on this, but I was at McDonald's the other day. And I asked them for some nuggets sauce on the side to go with my French fries because I sometimes like dipping my fries in uh, sweet and sour sauce. They try to charge me like 25 cents for that sauce. Don't you guys think it's outrageous that they're charging for sauce? Yeah, this is apparently a new thing. So I don't, I don't like sauces. Like, I'm not a sauce guy. Like, I just want my stuff straight up. I'm plain like Tom in that sense. Tom probably uses mayo for sauce. But anyway. Like when it comes oh, when on. it comes to sauces, it's not my thing. But apparently, these places are charging like an arm and a leg for extra ketchup and extra jelly. Like good player, like why are y'all trying to scam America? Just chill out. Are you really hurting your bottom line by giving somebody an extra thing of Polynesian sauce? Yeah, but you got those grannies. You know, they fill their pocketbook up with all the the sugars oh, and, yes. the, and the sauce and the ketchup. To bring home. So, I mean, that stuff adds up, I mean, you're right, because we're talking grannies, but I'm talking people in their 20s who open their cabin, (laughs) and it's like 17 packs of relish that have been in there since Neo (laughs) dropped so sick. So, I will be completely uh, upfront and say that there are McDonald's napkins in my house. Well, see, napkins are different, though, player, because they put 84 in your bag, so you don't want to throw them away. Yeah. <laughs> I actually have uh, Starbucks napkins in my house. Now, speaking of Starbucks, if that counts for has anything. anybody tried that unicorn deal? I had seen it. Oh, I, man, I, I've, I, seen yeah, it. I'd seen it. I saw it. 
I am only intrigued because uh, I hate coffee, as we have discussed. But apparently, this doesn't taste like coffee, and it tastes like strawberry and vanilla with a hint of sour, which is heaven to me. So I need to know if it's actually good, or if it's going to taste like ground up coffee. There's milk. not even. Well, there's no coffee in it, as far as I know. Is there? I don't know. I don't go to Starbucks. No, I don't think there is. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, Ed. You can pay seven dollars for your 150 grams of sugar and one helping. <laughs> Let me die. That's a bar- <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, All right. Well, if you die, then we'll have to bring Barry Bars back into the podcast <laughs> to replace you. Oh my gosh! The next podcast <laughs> would be speaking off of dying, the chain. guys. I want to quickly uh, do this for our food discussion. So my mom actually has started reading a book. It's going to sound really like depressing but the book is called how not to die um which is a depressing it's a book based on like diets and you know it's it's backed by research from various uh doctors and and science and apparently tom it's time for you to go full-on vegan because eating meat is bad for you any type of meat including chicken and turkey yeah of course i mean the body isn't made to intake that type of food and it's yeah we should all just you know start grazing and eating grass like cattle do you know it's going to get to the point where there are going to be studies that come out that's like water is bad for you like it's it's getting ridiculous what can we eat we can't eat if a brother can't eat his cup of unicorn blood that's like a thousand trillion sugar or whatever tom is saying then what can i do well, apparently you're supposed to drink, um, like, five cups of tea, like, eight cups of water, and just all the greens that you want. Um, it was cool, because uh, in the book, one page was like, you know, eat as many foods with different colors as possible. And I was like, well, Doritos is this weird orange color. I guess I can eat that. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, my God. So, what about... uh? Ugh. What, what about that uh, toast sandwich you mentioned a few episodes ago? Is that is that okay to have? No, I don't no? think you're allowed to eat grains. <laughs> oh, what can yeah. you eat? Like, what's left? Like, you have named everything. What is left? Spinach, broccoli, and uh... <laughs> I'll just drink this water and eat a bag of Skittles since it's colorful and then apparently be the most healthful man on earth. Mm-hmm. Speaking of orange, guys, this is the last point I want to make before I get out, before we get out of here. But Ed, do you like cheese whiz? That seems like something. Oh my you gosh, like. no! Who eats <laughs> cheese whiz? <laughs> what? You you eat cheese whiz? Are you six? <laughs> oh yes, I've never had it in my life actually. Is that Authentic- that comes in the can and you put it on crackers and? Yeah, it's nice bright orange. No, Very good. why don't you, please, what, oh, what does it, t- does it even taste like cheese, or does it taste like that Dorito stuff? No, see, oh, now I know t- why you like it. Oh, man. Um, anyways, guys, uh, we're past that hour mark. These podcasts keep getting longer and longer, but, Ed, what's going on with SoInStereo.com? Player, they're getting longer, but we're giving the people what they want, player. Anyway, um, next week coming up on Soul and Stereo, go check out the 10 best male vocalists in the game today. If you aren't thoroughly offended by our earlier conversation, and you probably are, go check out where I can make my case for why 
I went with the 10 artists that I went with. Um, we also have a feature on a new artist, Quavius Black, who was doing the thing in the hip-hop realm, so you can learn more about him. Be hip to the streets about your boy Quay before everybody else does. Of course, we still got the review on Kendrick Lamar's most recent album that's still apparently doing very well. People are very pleased with it, so check that out. And coming up very soon, we will have a review of Mary J. Blige's new album. That'll either be on You Know I Got Soul or Soul and Stereo, one of the two. So, Mary J. Stans, buckle up. Fine. And Tom, what's going on? What do we got going on, Kyle? Well, um, we have a brand new feature. And Ed, you're going to have to be a part of this, too. But we're going to start doing this feature that we call uh, R&B Classic Albums Revisited. We're going to do a quick, you know, five-minute video just taking a look back at some of our favorite albums, some of the memories we have with the album, you know, what happened during the time when the album came out, the impact, you know, just reflecting back on some of our favorites. We'll start that relatively soon. Uh, but that Gotta seems to be me it for me. For yes, sir. You can do all the video editing for us. <laughs> I'll leave that in Kyle's hands. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that's going to be coming soon. I'll probably drop a, a trailer or, or, or something like that uh, very soon. But until then, guys, um, we are out of here. All right. See you. Peace.